Getting away from everything feels good. Yeah, it does. When I left home, the maid asked me where I was off to. I said, wherever, whatever. Have a nice day. You had a maid? Yeah. If I had a normal family and a good upbringing, then I would have been a well-adjusted person. Depends on what you call normal. Yeah, it does. Well, you know, normal, like, like a mom and a dad and a dog and shit like that. Normal. Normal. So you didn't have a normal dog? No, I didn't have a dog. You didn't have a, a normal dad? Didn't have a dog or a, or, or a normal dad anyway, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I don't feel sorry for myself. I mean, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, well-adjusted. What's a normal dad? I don't know. I'd like to talk with you. I mean, I'd like to uh, really talk with you. I mean, we're talking right now, but, you know, I don't know, I, I don't feel like I can be I don't feel like I can be close to you. I mean, we're close. Right now, we're close, but I mean, you know. Uh, how close? I mean. I don't know, whatever. What? What do I mean to you? What do you mean to me? Mike, you're my best friend. No, man, I know, I'm not, I know I'm your friend. We're good friends, and it's good to be, you know, good friends. That's a good thing. So? So I just... That's okay. We can be friends. Only have sex with a guy for money. Yeah, I know. And two guys can't love each other. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, for me, I could love someone even if I, you know, wasn't paid for it. I love you and. I really want to kiss you, man. Good night, man.
try to stand out from the herd. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. Happy New Year! It's only January 6th, so we can still say that. Welcome to Cinema 9 Pod. This is almost season three. I don't know if we're going to call this season three because it's a new year, or do we wait till we actually hit the literal date of our birth. I don't know. Uh, we can talk about that later. But either way, welcome in. This is exciting. And Travis Roy, Eric Branch, and myself, Cinema 9 Pod at all your favorite social media platforms. Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com is how you can email the show. And a five stars on Apple Podcasts. And now, rate us on Spotify. Come on. That would really help us. It's right under the description there when you use Spotify on your mobile device. Woo! Today's movie will be My Own Private Idaho. We'll find out if that holds up or not. But first, Travis Roy, Happy New Year. I missed last week's show. I'm really happy to be back. I thought you guys did a great job with While You Were Sleeping. I just thought the movie was trash. <laughs> as, as you made clear last week by, by, by chiming in, um, we appreciate your nuanced review, but fuck you. Um, <laughs> g- glad to have you back and glad to have all three of us formed like Voltron. Finally, you know, there was, it was two episodes in a row where all three of us were not there. So it's good to be. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's never happened before. So nice to have all three of us in our proper place. You know, everything in its right place for the new year. Really good. Sounding really good, guys. People are gonna like that. Sounds just like Tom York. Yeah, <laughs> much the same thing. Boo! Take that bullshit <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. Uh, happy New Year, gentlemen. Travis, thanks for a great episode last week. Mike, so happy to have you back. I'm psyched for the show. We're gonna bring in 2022 with a pretty big monumental independent film from 1991, and I'm excited to hear your picks from uh, the last. A couple weeks, Michael. What have you been watching? Is what I'm going to be uh, wondering later on. Oh boy. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to share what I've been watching, of course, but don't forget, this is a new year for us and we're going to be better than ever. So we really, really are just going to ask you support the show as best you can. Cinema 9 Pod on Instagram. Sometimes these guys post reviews of movies. They post fun things about things that happen in the movies during the day. It's a great place to see us, and it's a great place for you to hang out with us. We also have a TikTok now, and, you know, it's just... Yeah, we do. You just got to do it, because TikTok apparently has become the most highly used site for engagement of active users, and I don't make the rules. I just play along. So our TikTok is live, and if you like that kind of crap, we're going to be there to give it to you. Isn't that nice? And when you say we, you mean you. Because <laughs> you'll be running no, the TikTok, no. right? <laughs> no, Eric posted, uh, Eric posted two videos. He posted a uh, in memoriam earlier. I saw it earlier. Uh, Peter tribute to the yeah. Peter Bogdanovich. Rest in power. So long, yeah. Mr. Bogdanovich. Uh, oh, Travis, what's, what do you think of first rough. when you think of Peter Bogdanovich? I mean, he's he's got the whole Obi-Wan problem because I don't think he wanted to be remembered for Sopranos, but I'm going to remember him pretty much always for Sopranos. I never saw Paper Moon. He, he's, he's Elliot Goldenthal <laughs> to me. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. And, and, and yeah. you know, I've actually, I have listened to a few interviews with him before because he's a really, or he was uh, like an interesting, he's a, he was like a film historian in his own right. I mean, he knew, he knows or knew things about 
film and like older cinema that just not everybody knows. Kind of like Ricky Jay, just one of those guys that just kind of you know absorbed that kind of information. So I actually really valued him for his uh, for his academic mind. Actually, he let Orson Welles like live with him when Welles was just like down on his luck and slovenly drunk and like Wells stayed with him for like two years and like disapproved <laughs> of all of his living girlfriends. It was like a fucking sitcom back in the early seventies with those Someone fucking dude. Make a movie, make, it, make a sitcom. I would love it. That'd be so funny. But yeah, man, it was, I'm telling you, it was a drag for me because personally I've always loved this guy's movies, paper moon, uh, the thing called love, Talking about River Phoenix today, that's yeah. one of my favorite, most underrated uh, independents from the early 90s. Mask, I grew up on with Eric Stoltz and Sharon Sam Elliott. Yeah. And of course, The Last Picture Show is sublime. God, I haven't seen a single one of those movies. So good. Yeah, huh. they're all awesome. I like movies. Yeah, I watched Mask uh, last year or so. Peter well, Bogdanovich, yeah, I agree. Travis, Peter Bogdanovich, I'll always think of The Sopranos. It's very difficult not to think of him. So... That's just how it's going to be for us. Golden but I will Black? say, Golden yeah. Fall. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Anyways, keep going. Golden Golden Bosom. Yes, golden. you nailed it. Golden. Bosom? Yeah, I knew I got it right. I knew I got it right. Anyways, he uh, yeah, he'll always. He was a big, big film historian. Believed in the preservation and talking up films, classic film history. He was a film history nerd, kind of like uh, Martin Scorsese in that way. Yeah. So Peter Bogdanovich is gone, and uh, I think we're all going to miss him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, I think you're right. Anybody want to shed a tear? I just I, did. I didn't know him personally or anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a funny question. Have you guys ever cried when you found out a somebody you didn't know, but like a celebrity or somebody that you wow. admired so much? Like Travis, did you cry? Did you shed a tear when Philip Seymour Hoffman died? Oh yeah. I I, I, I cried hard. I, uh? I actually got a little emotional recently when Betty White died. Um not I mean, not that I'm a huge Betty White fan. I mean, like I like anyone I think is to a degree. It was more just like the end of an era kind of thing. Like it was just I had a hot second where it just really hit home to me. Like this is uh this is someone who, you know, for decades was an installment, was a fixture in American culture, and and now she's gone and you know, it's just and yeah so I, it was more of a, a tear for you know for 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 that but yeah i i'm an emotional guy i get emo i cry when people i don't know uh, people i don't know die I, I cry when david bowie died yeah absolutely wow. when heath ledger oh, won that Oscar for uh the joker i was uh yeah i was a wreck it was just really sad because jesus god it was way too soon wow okay i i'm trying to really think i don't think i ever have i'm I don't think I have. So I've cried during movies, but I've never cried as far as I can recall when somebody passed, like a, a famous actress or actor that I adored and a director I adored. Uh, maybe I'll cry when Paul Thomas Anderson dies. I don't know. <laughs> we'll uh, see. At any rate, we'll check in with you then. <laughs> Thank you. Theo, please check in on me, guys. Keep checking in on me. I need that. At any rate, uh, it's a new year. It's a new opportunity for us to share movies that we have been watching and we'd like to recommend or not recommend. It's a segment we call Quarantine Viewing Picks. And if you're new to the show, this is how we do it every week. We share it. We talk a little bit about film here and there, whatever our thoughts are. And then we get to the main course, the Does It Hold Up, where we do the main section of our show. And a quick shout out to Derek Myers, who was on the show a couple weeks ago. He was our guest. Pop Goes Your World podcast is a great pod. If you love pop culture of the Gen X generation, millennial generation, him and Chris McBride go head to head on that stuff. Derek was a great guest for our Galaxy Quest episode, which uh, Eric, you weren't here for that. Did you think that was a good show? Love the show. Uh, I watched Galaxy Quest last summer 
and I kind of came out okay. It was, it was all right, uh, but I love the episode. Great job, Derek was a really fun guest. Okay. Wow. What a great review. All right. right. So Travis Roy, it's a new year. Uh, What is it going to be that you are going to offer us in 2022? Oh my fucking God. You guys, I watched so many movies. I watched so many movies. This really is quarantine viewing picks. I mean, my my (laughs) vacation got a a bonus week thrown in because of Omicron and I'm not doing anything. And, you know, my life is empty. So all I did was just watch movies uh, and a lot of them. So dig in. Uh, no, I, I won't tell you about every single thing I watched because, I mean, like, that's just, it's, it will get tedious. But I will tell you, I watched a lot of fucking <laughs> movies. <laughs> you did send us a photo of yourself blubbering like a really, really ah. sad I, I I revisited before this episode today, I revisited for the first time since I watched it, 2020's Soul. And uh, it's still a masterpiece and a beautiful film. And uh, Deary, f- f- soon, uh, soon to be a uh, guest on the show, Christopher Deary says, life is pointless and we're all going to die. A blip of optimism. Is that, is that, is that a Deary. shot at me? I don't know. Sure. I, I, I feel think like he's it just, is. just letting us know how he's feeling right now. <laughs> I guess my, uh, my comment about emptiness yeah. of life really resonated with Chris. Watch so Soul, good. Chris. Come yeah, on, watch man. Soul. Soul is a masterpiece. It really fucking is. A it, masterpiece. Wow. I, it's one of my favorite movies. I've watched it twice, and I'm ready to say it's one of my favorite movies. I, I just love awesome. it. Jesus. Okay. Awesome. All right. Wow. wow. I mean, it's just, I mean, like, yeah, just a profound impact on me personally. I wouldn't expect everybody to have the same experience, but for me, it was, uh, it really, you know, affected me. And, and then checking in today, I confirmed, yes, it still affects me. Um, I watched, uh, speaking of movies that did not affect me in particular, uh, I watched free guy. Cause I really, I really just wanted like a, a blockbuster, you know, I just wanted like a brainless kind of blockbuster. And if you was a trash, it wasn't trash. Exactly. <laughs> it was, it was okay. Um, it was very much like addressing class, like stations in life and capitalism and that kind of stuff. If you took ready player one and, jammed it up inside of the lego movie then you pretty (laughs) much got this movie there's there's a few other things in there put put a sprinkle of truman show on top um but there's like yeah there's it made me think of it's a derivative but i still i still kind of liked it it wasn't it wasn't terrible i mean again super blockbustery you know. I, I just want, uh, Deary says Omicron got him down. So oh, yeah, buddy. feel better, Chris. We hope you're uh, yeah, feeling better. Right. He's he's uh, boosted, but he'll be all right. I will say this, Free Guy seems like a movie that I would want to see because it's got Ryan Reynolds in it. Yep. And I like comedy. And yeah. for some reason, every time I saw a commercial for it or a trailer, I was just not into it at all. And I'm not really sure why that is. So I was just curious what your feedback was on it. Yeah. And you said... You know what I thought it might be. So. It was entertaining. Although I gotta say, if you wanted to watch a movie that was basically based in a video game, I would recommend uh, Boss Level for for Hulu with Frank Grillo. I, th- I thought that was better. Um, I watched The Lost Daughter with Olivia Coleman getting a lot of Oscar buzz for her on Netflix. And this movie just wasn't. It's not made for me. But um, I don't think that like I don't think you have to be a mother to appreciate a movie with that's dealing with mother issues. I don't think you have to be like, you know what I mean? Like you don't have, like I don't have to directly relate to find the movie relatable. And this movie, no, no, no. <laughs> I, a lot of people are loving this movie and, and making claims like you're not getting it if you don't love it. And I fucking hated it. I, I was so bored. I heard it so poorly paced and boring. It was, 
it was irredeemably boring. It was just, I mean, I just, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I thought it addresses some things that you don't see in cinema very often. And I bet the book that it's based on is quite good. Um, but I just, oh, man, this the movie was rough. I just didn't. Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut was it I mean, not? Yeah, yeah, it was. She can she can direct. She definitely can direct in terms of picking a shot and um, that kind of <laughs> stuff. I mean, like it, it wasn't a nice shot. It, it wasn't awful, but man, I, I I was it was very 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 dull. Would you rather watch The General's Daughter? <laughs> well, only be, only because I just watched the other one. <laughs> you uh, know? I could at least maybe get a laugh out of the general's daughter, an unintended laugh. I uh, what else did I watch that was new? I watched Here Today from 2021. Eric, I know you're not a Billy Crystal fan, so this one's not pointed at you. I don't think you it's not you're not gonna like it. But uh, co-written, directed, and starring Billy Crystal. If you like Billy Crystal, like you huh. know, 99.9% of America does. My um, giant. <laughs> yeah, he did other movies as well. Yeah, come on, um, dude. This, disrespectful. this was good. I, I liked it. It, it. it was um, it was a little schmaltzy. It was definitely schmaltzy. But there is there is a you know if you like again if you like Billy Crystal you like this movie more of a drama than a comedy by far. In fact, he plays someone that, that's like on a sitcom like like kind of like a like or a, like a SNL type show like a sketch comedy show. And I've never seen less funny comedy represented in a movie like the jokes quote-unquote jokes it's just like it's so fucking not funny it's unbelievable but. he's out of touch i mean he's a legend but he's out of touch probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah worst movie i watched this week that i'd never seen before was two days in new york which i didn't know was a sequel to two days in uh -huh. paris but my fucking god put this on the pile of movies that like someone thinks hey let's make a movie about someone having uncomfortable house guests that's something that someone wants to spend two hours with because uh, everyone likes like uncomfortable house guests. No. Yeah. Why would you yeah. want to live it when you could actually watch someone else go through it on your screen? <laughs> right. Oh man. Ever see house guests with Phil Hartman and? I was uh, just thinking that. that. <laughs> yep. Exactly what I was thinking of. I actually never caught that one. Never uh, caught terrible. it, but that's exactly terrible. what I was thinking of. Terrible. <laughs> I thought that I had seen Just Go with It from 2011. I oh. Uh, very forgettable. Very forgettable. <laughs> Not a good movie and a very generic title. Never um, bothered. Yeah, I guess I had never bothered either, but I thought that I had, and then I did, and I wish I hadn't. That's um, funny. But still not as not as bad as two days in New York. Uh, speaking of not great, I watched Chaos oh, Walking, one of the biggest uh, oh, bombs in blockbuster in, his, uh, in history. I watched Chaos Walking. Did you watch it? No, but, man, you, you've been delivered a slew <laughs> of turds. <laughs> uh, well, well, this yeah. movie's been shit on? It's literally oh, it's it's one of the biggest bombs in blockbuster history. But I mean, it happened during COVID, as it did like half of the biggest bombs in history. So, but this movie went through hell. Doug Lyman was trying to make this movie for ten years. It was and, Doug and Lyman. They, yeah, it's still bad. It's 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 not it's not as bad as like as people are saying it is. It's just it's just bad enough to to just be bland and just kind of oh. who cares. You know, and at this point, like, I know it, it was actually filmed a while ago, like in 2018 or 2019, but trying to pretend that Tom Holland is a teenager is getting harder and harder <laughs> to do. I don't care how cherubic his face is. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I watched King Kong from 1933. I've never seen it before. Oh, well, here we go. Oh, yeah, here film. We go. I watched Ron's Gone Wrong, a new yeah. animated feature that I was unprepared for how much this directly resembled the Child's Play reboot. I mean, almost <laughs> shot per shot. Uh, very, very, very yeah. similar story. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch You're it? Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did laugh here and there. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. Um, I revisited Hero from 1992 so I could spend some time oh, with Bernie LaPlante and John Bubber, which I had not seen that Bubber. movie in a long time, but God, that movie's still so good. I love Dustin Hoffman in this movie so much. He's like the most curmudgeonly he's ever been, the most grumpy and like like bedraggled. He's just, and I did not realize how old he really is. He's like 85 now. That's so fucked up. I was just thinking about yeah. that last night. I was like, where's Dustin Hoffman? And like, Christ, yeah, he's like 85. He's so old. I was watching this movie. I'm like, how old was he when this came out in 1992? Yeah. He was 55 years old. Yep, you're right, <laughs> His man. His hair was dyed black in it. I'm like, He oh must have retired. God. I don't think we'll be seeing much more of him. Uh, and, that's not exactly what happened, but okay. He might have got canceled. Well, he got yeah, canceled. there was a little thing back there. Oh, bit, but. yeah, but I think he was pretty much done, anyways. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. He didn't. I, I mean, his, his cancellation did not rebound across the airwaves the way that, say, some other people's did. But I get what you're saying. Um, well, other but real quick, I want to mention that movie. It's it's part of the history of films that are done where there's two movies about the same thing. Because that was Hero oh. and Fearless. Yeah. Yeah, hero and fearless. You're right. Yeah, two different takes. Very different, very different takes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was very good feather, good fellows, my blue heaven kind of moment there with those movies. Yeah. It's a real life air crash that happened in Iowa, which was not cool. So. Yeah. No. Oh no, no no no. I watched News of the World from last year, which was fine. Uh, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Seems uh, like it should have come out in like 2002, but like it's like All right, here it is. Whatever. Yeah. I watched. Tom slipping. Um, I mean, you know. It's fine. It's like okay. I mean, he's done other stuff recently. Like I like Finch, but uh, I watched Reno Nine One One's reunion movie, The Hunt for QAnon, so thick with with like modern <laughs> references that it was almost unwatchable. It was <laughs> it was just so The dense. Hunt for QAnon. That's it's fucking great. Yeah, I mean, if you like Reno Nine One One, it's certainly worth spending like, your ninety minutes with it. Like I I did not mind it. I mean, it was, <laughs> I laughed. I still That's like Reno Nine One One, and it's literally every single person I think from the show. Like I, I think everyone came back for it. I that thing was a phenomenon when it was out. People fucking love, like hardcore fans were super into Reno Nine One One, and I just never, uh, I never got to join in them. It, it looked like it was funny. I just never got the chance to really dive in. I was pretty middling. I mean, I watched it enough, but you know, yeah, I wasn't. I kind of forgot that it wasn't on anymore. All right, I'll wrap this up. I got, I got two major recommendations for you here. Um, one, a lighthearted comedy. I could not believe how much I enjoyed Vacation Friends uh, from this year with John Cena and Little Rel Howery. This uh, movie, just John a classic Cena? comedy, classic. This isn't for you, Eric. You don't do comedies. Um, but but this, <laughs> movie, this movie, just a classic buddy comedy. I was... I was laughing all the way into the third act, man. Like, I, I think John Cena is a good comedic actor. And this is just, I mean, I guffawed many times. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's no one's reinventing the wheel here. It's like, you know, there's uh, R R Little Rel How, uh, I cannot say this guy's name. Little Rel Howery is like the straight man. And uh, John Cena is like this, like, lunatic. And, it, and they meet on vacation with their, with their wives. And it's just, I don't know. I thought it was really, really funny. I liked it a lot. Uh, vacation friends last but not least the big one uh for me out of all of the movies i watched uh this 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 long fucking week tick tick boom hey you watched it dude i, I i'm like i'll throw this on i'll just watch this movie and i'm watching the movie and about a third of the way in i'm no spoilers but there's a there's a sequence in a di in the diner that he works at um, like a like a like a number in the diner. Right yep. about that point, I'm like, 
oh, oh my, this is this is really, really good. Um, and by the time it ended, I was an emotional wreck. I mean, like, I just, I mean, I loved it. I thought Tick, Tick, Boom is one of the best movies I've seen this year. I thought it was fantastic. Here, here, my friend. Here, here. It's a really underrated. I, maybe it is getting the respect it deserves, but it's Andrew Garfield really showing off in a hell of a role in a great, great story to boot about a real experience. I was, I was, I was blown away. I can't, what can I say? I, mean, wow. I, was, I was blown away blown by this away. movie. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. I didn't have exactly that response, but I, I was close. I was close. So I, yeah. I thought it was a really good movie. It Glad is. to hear that. It is. Holy I recommend shit. it. Right there on Netflix. Just waiting for you all to watch it. So it Yeah, it's just sitting there. Your little buddy there. waiting for you to tickle him. <laughs> all, uh, right, all right. I'll stop there. I watched many other movies, but I'll wow. <laughs> wait, 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 what was did you share the worst movie you watched the whole time? Or was yeah, that the, yeah, the worst movie fair? I watched the whole time. I said what that was. That was Okay, um, just want to make sure. What did I say? In case say? you watch another stinker. Uh the worst um, movie you watched. Oh my god, we just covered that. I just said whatever it was I said. <laughs> I don't even remember now. Uh it wasn't the Tom Holland movie? No, it wasn't it wasn't Chaos Walking. I guess it was, I guess I think I said it was just go with it, but I don't think that was that wasn't particularly good either. Um <laughs> oh, yeah, the lost kind of, kind of, kind of, oh yeah, nah, uh, kind of a rough week, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> man. Wow, man, that's fascinating. Well, we're glad you share with us. That's what Travis does. Make sure. You follow the Cinema Nine Pod on Twitter, and then make sure you follow Travis on Twitter. Travis, what's your Twitter handle? We never share that. Reservoir, like like Reservoir Dogs, only instead of R E S, it's R O Y S. Um, yeah. Very easy, right? Kind of. Yeah. If you love yeah. movies, you know, love life, yeah, follow Travis. What are you doing? Come on. It's 2022. <laughs> Try something new. All right, Eric Branstrom, uh, you're down with the cause. What did you watch? I fucking watched Baby Boom. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> we've all watched Baby Boom. <laughs> so uh, dumb. So dumb. Yeah, fucking watch Baby Boom. Uh, I like the first half hour. Then when she goes to like the country place, I was like, who cares? This is standard trash. Uh, but yeah, yeah, interesting first half hour, relatable. But then it's just like, yeah, you're going to leave a million dollar job so you can not have a, your baby in daycare and like rock her for like for all day. Uh, yeah. So that was that. Uh, she's all that. I returned to 1999 with uh, Rachel Lee Cook, and she's all that. Uh, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> why, why is Matthew Lillard in this movie in 1999? Is the big question. This is after SLC Punk. What? Why is he in this movie? It makes no sense. Is he he does nothing but run around screaming. Yeah, he's playing like a 16 year old kid running around doing like the whole like <laughs> manic thing. It's like seriously, dude. <laughs> He didn't have a lot of credibility. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like I him, know. but he's not very credible. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, Cobra Kai season four killed the entire season. I what? continue to enjoy the series. I don't feel the need to explain myself. It's like you haven't seen the show. Travis, so have you fun. watched it? No, I watch it. I'm not. Yeah, it's just it knows how good it is, and it, it's just a lot of fun. It's like just you know, just just entertaining. Right. Uh, watched a lot of old movies, man. Because uh, I realized that on HBO Max they have like a TCM, uh, like sub channel. So I dug in, man. I watched an Ilya Kazan movie from 1956 called Baby Doll. It was so controversial that it was like pulled from theaters. It stars Carol Baker, who's this really underrated actress, gorgeous and fucking fantastic. She plays like this grown woman who sleeps in a crib and like won't let her husband touch her uh Ew. sexually and like carl malden's the husband and he has to deal with it and rip torn is in it and um it, it, it's it's very fucking weird and interesting especially for its time mm. uh, if you can find it check it out it's 
bizarre, especially for Kazan, who's coming off east of Eden and uh, on the waterfront. He makes this really twisted, weird-ass movie. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, Rebel Without a Cause, Travis. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh. I checked it out. I, I liked it. Yeah. You know, Sal Mignon fucking... It, it, Sal Mignon kind of takes the movie hostage, like the last half. But yeah. but I, I did like... Overall, I did enjoy the film. I still thought it hold up. So so beautiful to look at too. For what, for the for as old as it is, I mean it's yeah, still a good movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Sisters, Brian De Palma film about fucked up Siamese twins. Have you seen this? Nope. I want to see Gitter. it. He talked about yeah. it in the documentary watch about him. I want to see it. Yeah, he did. So yeah, well, he got to start with this and then Phantom of the Paradise, which no one talks about, which is so fucking awesome. It's a rock opera horror that comes out before Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. You have to see Phantom of the Paradise. And after that, he Almost Paradise! Almost Paradise! Nope, we said a word that triggered the musical song in, in, our, in our friend Michael. Check <laughs> it out. Just have it. Yeah. It's Check it out. Fuck, fucked up Siamese twins that murder people. No. What more can you ask for? Uh, better looking blood, that's for sure. Because the blood looks like Heinz <laughs> right. ketchup. Uh, miracle Worker. <laughs> You know what? I, I mean, all my life I've been like, oh, America, that movie we have to watch in like history, or like the, the water thing, wah 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 wah. Bancroft, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, it's so powerful, man. And Bancroft is, it's off the chart. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen in a movie. Period. End of story. She was, she was a it. great one. It's on YouTube. It's on Tubi, of course. Of course it Tubi! is. Uh, you and finally. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm I feel not. like he is. Yeah, I know. He's like a tube, a Tubi plant. Hey, you guys are Tubi. How about Tubi? Tubi, Tubi, Tubi. <laughs> I finished off my disaster series with Ooh. Airport 70, the original Airport, Airport 79, 77. Like, I watched like four other Airport movies. They all sucked. <laughs> the only one that's good is the one with Jack Lemmon and Jimmy Stewart. Right. And then I'm like, give me more disaster. And I'm like, oh, shit. I really haven't seen the Poseidon Adventure. Like, I, okay. I, I caught it like here and there. And then I, I sat down and watched it. Loved it. It's awesome. Loved it so much. It's not even like a cheesy, like dumb, fun. It's like a straight up, really good film. It's yeah. one of Gene Hackman's best performances. How many more lives? How many <laughs> more sacrifices? Yeah, it's a fucking great movie. It's 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 incredible. Shelley Winters off the chart. Ernest Borgnine, mm-hmm. so fucking good. I always thought he was like a joke. He's incredible. What? He's not a joke. That's how dare you, Marty? Come on, man. He's no joke. Ange watched Marty uh, when I was sleeping. She said it was fucking amazing. I got to watch it this week. She said she thought incredible. it was kind of dull to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was okay, but I was a little bored by it. Marty, not Pus- I love Poseidon Adventure. I loved it so much. <laughs> there you go, man. All right. Wow. Oh, I forgot an older movie I watched too was a uh, Hard Day's Night. I'd never seen that before, but you know, after right. after Get Back, I'm all in the Beatles mode. So, hmm, Beatles Isn't overrated? Hard? No. Appropriately okay, just, rated. Just checking. Right. By the way, uh, Ernest Borgnine in the Wild Bunch. I love that. So. Oh fuck yeah. yeah, yeah, he's awesome. In that. Ernest Borgnine is a good dude. God, and, uh, he was actually in. Also, I love him because he's in Strange Wilderness, which is so <laughs> funny. Yeah, that Ernest Mike. Borgnine. He's in Strange <laughs> Wilderness. You're like, what the fuck is this legendary dude doing here? It's bizarre. Don't it's forget him like bizarre. choking on a hot dog and 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 uh, yes, in basketball. What a classic yes. cinematic moment. <laughs> yes, yeah, actually, I uh, I forgot to mention that. So. I watched that a couple weeks ago, basketball, and I was oh, yeah. like, "Man, this movie is so dumb. It's not as funny as I thought it used to be." Um, um, oh, too bad. 
but it's not like it's not awful. It, it's certainly of its time. It's very late nineties. That really moment when he's when he's driving and like the in the music starts like going yes, along with exactly that is funny. His life. That, all time. I mean, it's very very funny. <laughs> that part is still very funny. I yeah, completely agree. So just overall, some right. of it's like, okay, whatever. We've seen all this. I could, I but that, that part that actually was the funniest part. You're right. It's so funny. Um, so I want to mention real quick. So while you were sleeping, I wasn't here for. Uh, <laughs> the reason I I just thought that uh, oh boy. I guess you had to buy into the premise, I guess. That's what bothered me. I'm just like, I'm not buying into this premise that she can't speak her mind, but she feels so guilty that she'll give the old woman a heart attack so she goes along with this. I guess that's where I lost it. That's all. So, But it's cute and it's cozy. And, of course, uh, Leanne <laughs> thought it was lovely. You know, She's like, oh, this is a wonderful holiday movie. Okay. Um, right. I uh, made out with Sarah Sanderson during that movie in 1995. It was the first time I ever okay. kissed a girl for real. And uh, her grandma dropped us off. We watched that movie at... Cinema Nine, the original Cinema Nine, guys. <laughs> right. At and, the uh, Cinema Nine. Yeah, before the MG, MJR days took over, it was yeah. the original Cinema Nine. So yeah. I didn't remember the movie at all. So I actually watched it for the first time viewer. I was. Uh, I had a teenage boner and I was kissing a girl. It's a big deal when you're 15, 14. Fuck, I was 14. Woo! Teenage Times boner. are changing. Mm. Teenage, teenage boner! <laughs> weird. It's only teenage <laughs> they're all boners okay i'll stop did you That's watch any funny. movies michael yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh i want to go on the record and say i'm dying to watch licorice pizza still i just yeah. haven't found the chance to yeah. go to the can't theater and sit down i'm not going can't to any theaters right now can't do it we got 45 day window now so it'll be on streaming before you know it man come on now i, I got yeah i don't know yeah we all understand the situation here but i really 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 want to see it uh yeah. i did Watch this Matrix movie, and oh, fuck yeah, me too. You did on purpose. Yeah. I had to. I mean, I, know, I I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, you uh, did. You say I, you turned it off after I, 20 minutes? No, no. I watched it the day it came out and watched the whole thing. And but it literally, oh, okay. it literally took me two days to watch it. That's but, what it was. It was like a slog. Uh, it, it, like it took me a long, long time. There's some meta jokes in there that are surprising. Like, oh, this is cool. They're kind of making fun of themselves. But the problem mm -hmm. is, the movie itself sucks. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Oh! Always got to be that yeah. guy with a different I'm not, I'm not being that guy. I, I like that guy. He's right. not the first person I've heard say this, by the way. No, Why no, did no. you like it? Lots quickly. of people liked it. Lots of people liked I thought it. it was a good, I thought it was a good love story. And I thought they... Did something different, and I was interested throughout. What, what, what was different? Okay, there's a new Matrix. It's not just about the machines taking over. That is so. It was completely different from the original trilogy. Yeah. It's about just Neo trying to get the love of his life back. They have an understanding with the machines now, and it's working out. But right, they well, no, spoilers, they, no spoilers, but yeah. Oh well, that, that, we're spoiling it. We've all seen it. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, guys, we've at. seen it. So, if all three of us have seen it, you should always mute yourself if you haven't seen the movie or jump ahead. This is live, so I don't know. All right. Well, I mean, okay, yeah. it is. There is some different stuff going on, I guess, and the stakes are different. In that, I'm I'm glad you liked it. Okay. I just Keanu's effort in this film seems so <laughs> is that disinterested. Yeah. Is it? Is he? Is he? Is there effort? Is yeah, right, exactly. 
I don't even know, man. Like every line is delivered like he literally is reading it off a cue card with no type of context or emotive effort whatsoever. I'm sorry. How is this different from every other Keanu Reeves performance? It's different. It's in his eyes. It's weird. It's hard to describe, frankly, for me personally to describe it to you, but it's weird. I think he hit something there. It's Partly it's in his eyes. Like there's, there's, I think it has a lot to do with what director he's got and how he feels about the material. Because there are sometimes when he's really engaged with the material and he's really plugged in and he's there. Like today's but, movie. But then there's movies like Matrix Resurrections where, yeah, like I, li- it literally seems like he's just kind of looking off into the distance for half of it. You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of like, like, you know what I mean? Like is, is he looking at a sound guy? Like what's he even looking at? Like he's just like out to lunch. Like he's just not even like, like he doesn't seem engaged with what's around him. I completely agree with that. And I like Keanu Reeves. I'm not a I hater. I just, yeah. Yeah. It's just so yeah. obviously painfully <laughs> difficult for him in some way that it's hard to kind of describe. <laughs> but I've, I felt bad for him. I'm like, I couldn't get past that part. So, Anyways, uh, it, you know, watch it. If you're a Matrix person, I assume you still need to watch the film. Yeah, of course. But that's about it. It's nice to see Carrie Ann Moss. I haven't seen her in a while. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah so then uh, I watched this movie called National Championship. Um, it's a, it's a movie about football, but it's not. So it's about this guy who takes a stand at the national title game. And I clearly believe they released it right now because the national title game is Monday in college football. And it's a really surprising movie. Uh, I don't know the dude at all who plays the lead, the main character. I I didn't recognize him, but uh, JK Simmons is in this. He plays the coach, the head coach. And he's good in this. Uh, you got Timothy Oliphant showing up as like this professor who's helping him understand labor law and shit like that. And uh, it's an interesting movie. I really forget football. Forget about that. It's it's about what's fair and what's right and what are you willing to sacrifice and all this stuff. It's got a great message to it. And I certainly think beyond sports, it has a really interesting premise at the center of it. I, I would strongly recommend National Championship. I don't even know who directed it, but it, it seems like a low-budget thing, but, like, there's a lot of people in it, so. Yeah. All right. Okay. Get excited. Get excited about you that. Lost, you that? lost me at football. I gotta be honest. I know, I know, but there's, like, no actual football in the movie at all, so okay. just for the record. You still said, it. You still said there's football The, the movie's it. called National Championship. Yeah, yeah. I can't push play. I can't hit play. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's... there's it's you'd be doing yourself a disservice. I really think you should give it a chance. It's called National Champions, by the way. I miss I misspoke. Yeah. So it does have a five point five on IMDb. Champions. That's not good. That's Ouch. not good. That's not good um, at all. Yikes. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I made well, a mistake here. This is where IMDb is a problem because half the people that work on the movie come in and give it a ten, and then other people might <laughs> dump on it because they didn't get it. But maybe it's actually a good movie. It's I mean IMDb is not IMDb is not the perfect, especially for films that are not. Like don't have like hundreds of thousands of votes on it. They're not. It is the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. That's a really great point, Travis. Uh, Just for the record, your your favorite buddy, Lil Rel Howry's in it too. So, oh oh, yeah, Tim Blake Nelson, David Koechner. There's some people in this. There's people. Those are all people. They're human beings. J.K. Simmons is a legitimate actor. I'm just saying. Uh, okay, so I, I, I'd like to recommend it. I say go for it. Give yourself a shot. I watched uh, Being the Ricardos, and uh, I thought it was classic Sorkin. You know, yep. If you don't like Sorkin, you're not going to like the movie, but if you yeah. love Sorkin, you're in, and Lucille Ball, and all that stuff is a fascinating premise. I don't even know. Did you guys look this up? Is this actually true? Was she, or was this just like oh, yeah, this is trying true. to be put in the time? <laughs> it was, oh, she very much was. I assume everybody was 
a part of HUAC at some point. It was hard to be untouched by it in the entertainment biz. Yeah, no, she, she it, it, that was exactly what happened to her in the movie is what happened to her in real life, where she checked a box at one point in her life and then had like the like I, I didn't do that deep of a dive but from what i could tell the, the yeah. movie is very accurate okay. in terms of in well, terms of that week of her life and stuff yeah yay cool yeah. i i love sorkin and i love his dialogue so i'm just always down and i'm i love history i love biopics i mean this isn't a biopic a biopic exactly but it's like a day in the life of type thing it's a different way to so do it i thought it worked yeah yeah, like, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Well done. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this on the air. I watched the Charlie Chaplin documentary. I told you guys after the yeah. last show we did. Uh, it's really good, really, really good. And I strongly recommend all of you go see it. It's on Showtime if you're looking yeah. for the place to find it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you see it? Yeah, I keep scrolling past it. Is it. How immersive are we talking? Is it like a two-hour? Is it like a big? Oh, big yeah, event? this is. This is all the way in. I, you got to watch. I feel like you're a champion. Dude, you want to talk about this? So. Speaking of Lucy, you want to talk about scandal? Fifties, yeah. Chaplin was all over that. Pretty scandalous. Oh fellow. yeah, they do a really cool thing. It's not giving too much away. You know about Chaplin's life. They take real audio because they don't have the video, and mm-hmm. then they use the actual audio, but they have people reenact it on video as well. It's really well done. I like the way they did it. So, all right, I strongly recommend that. Do not. Miss that if you're down with like learning about Chaplin and stuff. Uh, I watched Freddie Mercury, the final act. It's like a BBC thing, I think, but I'm always down for Freddie Mercury stuff because he's a great human being and it's a real tragedy what happened to him. Yeah. Uh, I thought this movie was shit. 8 bit Christmas. Is it bad? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't give it a shot. I figured I'd wait until next year. It, it just felt like it was so obvious what they were doing. It's basically. It's not original at all. It's Christmas Story, and it's uh, The Princess Bride is what it is. No, No, that's what it is. Like, it's just Neil Patrick Harris. You know, he's telling the story. He's the narrator, like the Christmas Story guy. But then at the same time, he's also like Peter Falk and Princess Bride and his daughters, Fred Savage. It was just so blatantly. I just thought it was kind of cheesy. It's got cool cool people that I like, like uh, uh, June Raphael, Diane Raphael. I always mix her name up. Uh, Juno Temple. Diane. Oh, no, the one who's the one who's married to Paul Shear, you know that lady. She's really oh funny. yeah, yeah. June, what's her name from the what, June Raphael? Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. it right. June Diane Raphael. Sorry, there you, there go. you go, June. Sorry about that. Uh, Best laugh she's ever. In it and Steve's yeah, it's a great laugh. Is Steve Zahn's in it? I like Steve Zahn, but otherwise right. this movie's trash. And I love Nintendo. I love Nintendo. I love NES, but it just doesn't do the job. I'm sorry, yeah. Doogie Hauser. <laughs> Oh, I gotta give it a negative. Uh, Still calling him Doogie personal. Hauser. He's like yeah. fifty. Yeah. What the fuck <laughs> is that? Is that, the, that is not cool. You got an Amber Alert? You hear something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Do you hear that now? It's gone now. Oh, there was some gone? alarm going off for a second. Uh, my phone's ringing and it's connected to the Bluetooth through the board. Sorry about that. That's weird. Oh, I didn't hear it. My apologies. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm a human being. I make mistakes. It's true. Yeah, All right. True. So the French Dispatch. The French Dispatch is incredible. Yeah. It's so what? so good. It, it's incredible. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I keep scrolling past it because I've just heard it's so bland and like, I love that you stop him like excuse me I haven't watched this movie okay uh, uh, yeah I, I, I have I, heard things I am doing that but he's, I'm just taking it back. Just, like, he's like oh this is a good movie like well I, that's not what I heard <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry I'm just surprised at this positive reaction because everything I've heard has not been positive so I'm just very aghast 
That's funny. Uh, at least I get a laugh out of that. Uh, Eric, I think it's it's very dry. It's very. It's probably the driest, most um, slower paced of all of his movies. Yeah, you're not selling it. So, no, I'm not. It. it uh, I watched it twice because the first time I was like, is this good? And then the second time I watched it, I, I just enjoyed it more. It's Jeffrey wow. Wright is outstanding in this movie. It's nice to see some new people come into the Anderson world like him. And yeah. Benicio Del Toro is fantastic in this movie. So the people who play the roles that they're in, it might not be the best movie in terms of organizational structure. It's about a newspaper. So mm -hmm. that is in a foreign place. And it's very much a love letter to journalism of the past and all that stuff and how high and mighty some authors and uh, journalists were put up on pedestals and like, oh, they're so amazing. And they they smoke and they have these little kitschy things that they do that make them unique. So there's tons of that. This is definitely Anderson Trend Fest 101. I'll, I'll admit that. But I liked it. I, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Oh, I okay. certainly will watch it. It's on it's on the list. Yeah, I, I hope you I, do. I just keep seeing the poster on like my stream platforms. I'm like, I can't, I can't do the whole Wes Anderson big cast. I just can't do it. Yeah, I understand. I get it. Um, he may. Okay, so that'll pretty much do a little bit. You think so? I think that if people are starting mm. to feel that way about his movie, people like Eric, mm. uh, who or who maybe just a few years ago would have been very, very excited. I think, I think that like, uh, I think that a director as unique as him does run the risk of getting a little sticky. Yeah. Yeah. That could be it. Uh, it's hard to argue that point. I'll give you that. But uh, if you're a Anderson file, then you'll love it. So yeah, just I'm it's definitely going to watch it. Definitely watchable. It's such a tremendous cast. The cast is enough to get you in the door at least. Too big. All right. So let's wrap it up with uh don't look up. Oh, uh, I I was watching the show last week, but I didn't catch all of it. it. What were the comments on this one? Did you? I assume both you watched it. Oh, you haven't seen it, Eric. Then what's with the sighing and the huffing and puffing again? <laughs> I mean, like you got all these opinions and you've never even fucking seen it. I don't understand. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> you're so, you're... He's locked into the review world. You know, I he's got opinions. Man. He hasn't seen them yet. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be a reviewer on the show? <laughs> can't do it. Then don't. You don't want to start don't, the movie. Don't have an opinion until you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, it's, this it's, is funny. It's a it's a it's a baseball bat across the head. It's not subtle. Um, it, it's no. not it's not particularly funny, but yeah. it's still um, still watchable. I think that it's the kind of thing that will. I think it will increase in value over time in terms of how people view it. I think it, it's a little harsh. And right now it stings a little bit, but I think that in time, I think it will be appreciated for uh, as a pretty important movie in a lot of ways. Huh. What, do you, what do you think? That's a good way. I think that's a good, uh, pretty solid way to wrap it up there. Uh, it's not that funny. No, uh, it is not subtle at all. As you said, and I, I, I made this point. I talked to Luke about it yesterday. Luke loved it. Of course he loves, I love Adam McKay. He loves Adam McKay too, mm -hmm. but I'm not just going to love every movie just because I like sure. the director's work. And I told him that this movie was just way too heavy handed. That was the problem I had with it. Like maybe I'm because there was a point made that, you know, there's a lot of people who might turn this movie on and they might not get it at all. And mm -hmm. I could see that the you know, older people, possibly people less connected to our world and how the United States yeah. is these yeah. days. People who thought that squid game was a critique of communism. I get you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've heard that. Now, that's, that's Eric. So I'm like, you, I've heard that. I haven't seen it either, but I've heard that. So. Uh, but uh, I like Adam McKay. I feel like Vice was all right. This one was a little less all right. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about where things are going for him. He's definitely caught up in his own style. It's so McKay-ish. Yeah. Very and message. Like, He's very caught up in his messaging, which yes. to, to me doesn't make for great movies typically. Like they might be might, might make for great messages, but not necessarily great movies. I agree with the message. It's a great message. Oh, He's yeah, a message. I agree. I, I agree I, yeah, too. We, right. But he <laughs> might turn people off. Yeah, that's not the point. I agree. And especially in a day and age where there's certain people who think that, you know, Hollywood is trying to be all holier than thou. It, he he misses the chance to connect with people just because of that. That's that's my only concern for him. He's trying to send a message to everybody. And maybe he's not. Maybe he's just like trying to slap everybody across the face. Like you said, that's yeah. it's possible. So. The cast is nuts. The cast is nuts. It is. It, and Jonah Hill is hilarious <laughs> in a different type of Jonah Hill way in this movie. So I'm going to give him a thumbs up on that. He's really oh, good. I, I saw a clip, yeah. uh, a, a quote from him. He was saying that he was like, what, what is it? The Firefly Festival? Is that the name of that? That, that fiasco? Uh, the Fire the fire Fest. Fire, yeah, yeah. He said, what if that was a person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Great way to sum up the character. And he's totally on point with that. I, okay. I say everybody watch it, see what you think of it. But uh, it's definitely a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge. It's long, too. So Yeah, it is a little long. Like our opening intro to our this episode. We're at 45 minutes already. Look at us. Wow. Well, you time. know, we had a busy holiday break. A lot of people watching stuff. So, yeah, all right, cool. Movies. Uh, there it is. So, thank you very much. Uh, we have no emails this week. We're moving on, and we're ready to rock. It's time for Cinema 9 Pod to make a determination on does it hold up or not? 1991's My Own Private Idaho, a selection by Eric Brandstrom. A wonderful movie, a terrible movie. We'll find out. It stars River Phoenix, Keanu Reeves, and this is a film directed by Gus Van Zant. And as Eric stated when he picked this movie, it's our first Van Zant feature, I believe. So, uh, Travis, you remember seeing this movie before? I thought I did, but it turns out I was, in fact, thinking of Feeling Minnesota, uh, <laughs> a different Keanu <laughs> movie funny. with a reference to an you know, alternative alternative <laughs> hit. Um, so I've never actually seen it until this wrong morning. state. Yeah, wrong state. Um, I, <laughs> wrong indie band. I, I watched it this morning, and uh, that was the first time. Wow, okay. that's that's, the, right. that's the extent of, Era, of the movie. Wow. That doesn't always happen. That's unique. Uh, Eric Bradshaw, you chose this film. Does it remind you of your childhood? <laughs> no, no. Um, also, <laughs> I thought I had seen this, but. I, I turns out I I never seen it. So what the fuck? We both thought we'd seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe last episode we both were like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. We yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Let's see how it is. I remember liking it. Yeah, we never seen it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Had you seen it before? I don't think I had either. <laughs> Again, I, so it doesn't hold up. All right. Do we still love it? Do we? Does any of us like it? Is the, okay. Could be a first. I, I, I did the same thing Travis did over the years where I would think of feeling Minnesota in this movie and mix them up. I really would. I didn't do that today because I got a little more familiar with the film, but I'm pretty sure I never saw this one. I, I feel confident in saying that. So I feel like this is, is uh, having this said that, time, this is the first time all three of us haven't watched the movie. I'm pretty sure out of 91 episodes. Clean sweep? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure this is the only time that none of us had seen the movie. There's been Indeed. a couple of cases where only one of us had, but this is a first. Yeah. 
Well, you're right. Usually somebody recommends it because they want yeah. to bring it back to the table from their childhood right. or something. You're right. right. You're right about that. Um, what's the IMDb rating, guys? I haven't looked it up. What I do you guys saw. think? I saw. Okay. I will say it's a Gus Van Zandt movie. It's got River Phoenix. Uh, Everybody loves River Phoenix. I'm going to say this is like a 7-3 or something like that. That is fair. I'll I'll undercut you a little bit because it's been 30, Christ, 31 years. Say maybe a 7-1. Uh, you're closer, Eric. It's 7.0. Oh. Okay. Quite. Right. Well, that's Quite. that's is that reasonable? Okay. Okay. I mean, that's what it is. That's you know, that's high. That's high territory. <laughs> Respectable territory. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I think once you once you get into the sevens, you're into yeah. like classic. You know, you're either a cult classic or a cult classic film of some. I mean, you're it's a beloved film once yeah. you've reached that no. magical. I, this is me saying that I, I now I'm saying that IMDb does matter. Apparently, I guess I'm really consistent. <laughs> Thoughts on that today. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, by the way, this is not my own private hell, which is a movie from 2018. So just for the record, in case okay. you're wondering. I was not. But a lot of, not a lot of titles with my own in it. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, 79% from the critics. Not My Giant. That's right. Good call. That's the second My Giant reference in this show. That's a new one. Maybe it'll become like a Paul Schrader thing. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> my Own Private Idaho has a 79% approval rating from the critics and an 80%. What a tight, tight, Holy even... Shit. Keel reviewing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very. The audience and the critics feel the same about this film. Mm. Uh, what do the critics say? Well, uh, we got 58 reviews available. Oh, wow. That you can peruse on Rotten let's Tomatoes. Let's read them all. And let's read all 58. <laughs> Goody Coots says. No, there's that no Goody Coots. I'm just kidding. I think it's a little early for uh, Desson, too. Yeah, we're probably not going to yeah, get George Desson on this. Yeah, 91. I, we'll get, yeah, we'll you're get probably Eve, right about we'll that. Roger Ebes. Gene Shalley. Gene Shalley. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever heard anybody call him Ebes. That's a, well, that's a new one. It won't be the last time. How about a uh, Richard Schickle oh, from okay. Time? Sure, Time Magazine. Time yeah, Magazine okay. still exists, apparently, which is weird in its own right. Yep, misnaming people. Of the Van Zandt. Nineteen thirty-three. Is that who does that? Time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Time, Time's person of the year. That's right. Okay. Van Zant disdain narrative. He got away with Drugstore Cowboy because its band of drugged-out dodos were engaged in a pretty, a petty crime spree that almost passed for a plot. But my own private Idaho is a different story, or rather, non-story. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Shickle's positing that you have to have a plot in order for the <laughs> film to be good. And I, I've always disagreed with that. You can be meandering and lyrical without having a very structured plot and story that has a one, two, three X structure and still be a fine movie. So fuck off, Shickle. Nice name. <laughs> positing right. with Shickle. That's so funny. Thank you Hi. for that. Welcome back to Positing with Shickle. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid, but funny. Uh, I I'd probably turn it off for a minute. Uh, how about uh, <laughs> how about Entertainment Weekly? We know them. Uh, Owen Owen Gleberman. Gleberman. Yeah, Gleberman. yeah. Oh, it's. I don't see any. Uh, is that an eye? Oh wow, they're. It's very font thick. The font is too bold. They need to reduce the boldness. My own sense? private Idaho. <laughs> no, not Comic Sans. <laughs> My own private Idaho lacks the dramatic punchiness. Of drugstore cowboy again, another comparison. Yeah. Yet it's a rich, right. audacious experience. Is it a rich, audacious experience? It was for that person. 
<laughs> You're right. It was for that person, Lieberman. All right, great news, guys. Destin Thompson what? did chime in on oh, this movie. Chiming in from his wow. middle school paper. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently the date <laughs> the date on this is so. If anything's before 2000, when I think this website started, it just says Jan 1, 2000. So we yeah. don't know if this was written in the 90s or not. It probably was. Huh. Destin said back then, whenever this Destin, was, a long time Destin. ago. <laughs> Even though it falters toward the end, it soars above the fray. Okay. Classic Destin. Classic yep, yep. Destin. So Destin. Really so Destin. That's so Destin. And then... <laughs> And then Ebes finally, Ebes says Ebes. the achievement, <laughs> the achievement of this film, is that it wants to evoke that state of drifting need, and it does. Wow. Three and a half out of four stars. Holy shit! Ebert could write, man. God damn it! It would take me all night to write just that one sentence so eloquently. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah he, he, yeah, he was. He was drifting need. Drifting need. Yeah, that's wow. the key phrase there. You're right. And that really hits the nail on the head Jesus. there. <laughs> so it's a movie about drifters? Well, it's it's about street people, right? It's about hustlers. It's a film about uh, people looking for a home, you know, not really having a home, trying to find home in someone else, right? Sure. Yeah. It's got three main locations, maybe four main locations, right? Seattle, Portland, uh, Idaho, which is a state, not a city, and I guess <laughs> that's correct. Rome, Italy, Rome. Yeah. Uh, well, this is also. I just think it has to be mentioned. And I'm not doing it. You know, we watched a movie recently that was done terribly when it comes to homosexuality. <laughs> okay. Like we we ripped it apart for it because it was just like constant, and that was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. In this movie, oh fuck, this is. I mean, this is how you do it, right? I, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, um, oh. a little bit. I mean, well, okay. For number one, this is an important film. Let's just lead with that. This is an absolutely important film, not just for queer cinema, but for cinema um, in, in, that, in the issues that it's dealing with and, that it, and how it's presenting them. Um, their homosexuality is not a joke. Their homosexuality is not obfuscated. Their homosexuality is uh, uh, it's central to the plot without being the only thing happening, right? So in a lot of ways, this is dealing with homosexuality in ways that films today sometimes still will not, right? And 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 they'll they'll, mm. they'll turn them into a joke. And and that <clears throat> and that is writer director is gay. Uh, you know, obviously has a lot to do with that. But uh, I do kind of like part part of me is still like imagine if these guys were. Uh, I, Okay, so I, I'm not from the era. I'm not from the time. I'm not from the place. I'm, I'm not a homosexual. But still part of me is like, do they have to be fucking hustlers? Do they have to be like drug abused, homeless, like fucking layabout, shiftless? You know what I mean? Like how cool uh... would it have been if, if a movie in 1991 and they're bakers? You know, <laughs> or like, or they're bankers, or you know, what I mean, or something, uh, something like respectable would have been kind of cool to, like, you know, uh, I don't know, that may be a little nitpicky, but, bakers, uh, <laughs> bakers, uh, but you know, um, Van Sant, he he wrote about the world that he knew and people that he knew. Uh, Michael Parker is in this movie, and Rob and and River Phoenix's character Mike is is based on this individual. 
So uh, there, there is a lot of reality here and, and at times some very uncomfortable reality. But uh, yeah, o over overall, mm. I think this is depicting homosexual, you know, like some homosexual characters in a way that uh, much more sensitive than was happening then or even really since. Yeah. Um, such a, a beautiful message about this is a cliche, but the loss of youth and the loss of innocence and to have a main character that is searching for family and a parental, you know, appendage to have their life be one that is, I don't necessarily want to say preyed on by older people. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why these characters are these hustlers. It's because they're, they're young, they're, they're boys that are in this position when it comes to their relationships with the adults that are around them. I don't and think that it's this tragic thing about homosexuality. Yeah, I think that that hits a nail on the head. That that's that's what made me uncomfortable watching it, and 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 why I was like, what is the nature of the relationship between Gus Van Sant and Michael Parker? You know, like mm, okay. uh, is 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 he is he preying on them at all? Is this exploitive? Um, right. there, there are scenes in this movie where Michael Parker and another actual street kid are in a diner and they're talking about real experiences that they had being raped, uh, being yes. used. Yeah. And, um, uh, but you know, and, th and that's really hard to watch, but the, it's not, it's not presented in a titillating way. It's not presented in, in a way designed to, amuse us or even really entertain us this is this is a very much an art piece and i think that he wants to make us care about these people so I, uh, the more i talk and think about it the more i'm okay with what he's doing i guess it's but yeah that that that, that whole aspect yeah. of predation is uncomfortable to say the least well look at the scene where mike is with the uh you know the little but the little dutch boy client i guess yeah. you could call him for yeah. lack of a better word um you could easily have this same scene with this like requiem for a dream music in the background but there's this like quixotic silly score in the background as if we're almost supposed to be half chuckling at what's happening to mike bizarre yeah, yeah. what do you think mike uh i think what you're saying here pretty much nails it all i, I don't this movie is funny though at times it is i, yeah, I had a few laughs sure. so Van Zandt is really good at not letting you try to pigeonhole him into anything, I feel like. His movies, mm -hmm. they're just his expression of how he sees the world or how whatever piece of uh, screenplay that someone else wrote, how he presents it. He, It's funny, it's sad, it's it's all these things at once. And I think that's one of Van Zandt's strengths. So this movie in particular, yeah, it's, it kind of reminds me of at certain times of uh, Last Days, which is a movie I hate, hmm. frankly. Um, just because know. it's, oh, it was basically, it's supposed to be Kurt Cobain's like final days. They never oh, say was, it, yeah, but that it, was him. Yeah. That was Van Sant. That's right. Yeah. And that movie is <laughs> not a lot of talking in that movie. So you got to have a lot of patience. And at times this movie kind of reminds me of that. Cause it is his style to kind of let things kind of be there. Just kind of, mm -hmm. hey, we're just, we're middling. We're, we're farting around. Uh, the beginning to me is like, like who cares? Like the beginning is really slow for me. And it was kind of like, oh boy. What are we doing here? What is this movie about? But uh, once Keanu <laughs> comes into the picture, I find that he is a crucial part of this movie to make it more interesting, frankly. 
I was surprised about that because I always saw this saw thought of this movie as like this just this glowing uh you know um symphony of river phoenix and he's great in it yeah. but i thought keanu reeves was fucking fantastic in it uh and you don't hear a lot of him correlated with this role in particular anymore at all which agreed i don't the movie probably wouldn't have been made or at least not with the budget that it has had he not signed on to do it he he like drove his bike from canada to florida to the to phoenix's home to convince him to do this movie uh and and then he had to and then phoenix finally did agree to do it and he wanted keanu's role and they had to convince him <laughs> still to, to, to take, the, take the role of mike huh. um yeah I, I i agree that um that it it picks up quite a bit when keanu gets in here um yeah what what about what about the fact that so this is three movies in one. It, it took him. He wrote. He wrote this script. Gus Van Sant wrote the script sometime in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, and oh, and and then tweaked that, and then tweaked it, and then spliced it with another movie, and then spliced it with some Shakespeare. Um, so <laughs> yeah. William, uh, or Henry the Fifth, or Henry, Henry the Fourth, and, and, and a little bit of one and two, and a little bit of fifth. Um, so like this is literally three movies, three screenplays. Yeah. jammed into one and i haven't actually seen the screenplay itself but from what i understand like it reads like like uh you know like house of blue leaves like it's like oh, uh, dude, like you gotta like turn it around and like you gotta like there's like stuff like down the center of the page and like it's all like <laughs> it's like it's written like a t.s Eliot poem um so you know so it i guess i'm saying all this as a way of saying this is a labor of love and clearly an art piece and clearly like this is a movie like for theater people. This is a theater. When I, as I'm watching this movie, like I, I made the note: theater people having fun. That, that's, <laughs> what, that's what you, that's what a lot of what you have here, especially in the in the lighter moments. Like it's just straight up cavorting around with like goofy, like like drama school, mm. like drama theater kind of mm. stuff. Happening. Flea, and how about Flea in this one? Flea having a good like all of them clearly having a, a pretty good time making the movie. It looks like. I mean. In in the group in the group scenes when it's when it's just the two yeah. of them not so much, especially in that oh boy. fucking house or whatever the fuck that place yes. is that fucking flop house with all these yeah. kids and uh they're robbers and they're they're but they're putting on like a play like it's so funny you mentioned the Shakespeare stuff I didn't know anything about that but it very much felt like at times in those scenes <laughs> yeah they're talking yeah. like it's Shakespeare stuff like I got that feeling independently of you telling me that so that's well, wild I don't yeah. think it was an unintentional no clearly it wasn't. I was like, do people talk like this? this no, they is, I don't. mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but they don't talk like this. No, they don't. <laughs> well, apparently they talk like that in the middle of the movie, but not the rest of it. Yes, just that part. <laughs> let's, be, uh, let's be honest. Like, it's really pretentious and, and art housey, that part where they go into that whole uh, false staffian and, and, and all that Shakespeare stuff. It just it doesn't fit for me. But I mean, you can borrow from that text. Because it, it, what that does is actually let you know a lot about the Scott character. Because when you when you understand uh, Henry the Fourth, he's essentially playing this character Prince Hal, who he's entitled to this kingdom as much as like like Scott is. But he decides to live in the play with all of the denizens and the drunkards. Right. But he does it for a reason because he fully intends to go back to the kingdom. But he wants to uh, be uh, a ruler, knowing 
what it's like to be this pauper. So so he has a leg to stand on when it comes to his throne. He doesn't just do it because he's like, fuck my dad. And, yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's why Scott's doing it. Scott is like, yeah. fuck my dad. Right, right. So it's a little misguided. I got confused. I really thought the original character that is the leader of that ring was his father. Well, he, you know, told, he calls to... him that over and over again. So I know. I and I was like, oh, wow. Wait, he's getting an inheritance from this guy? Uh, <laughs> I got confused for a minute. But, hey, way to pull the old switcheroo on me, Van Zant. You got me. <laughs> um, which, which do you prefer? Mandate, torso, mail call, honcho, joy boy, butch. Okay. Or whatever the f- there was one more, but I, f- I forgot to write it down. <laughs> Which I gotta say, Joy Boy, right off the top, Joy Boy. Yeah, um, Homo on the Range. Did you catch that? <laughs> I saw. Yeah, I yeah. Right. It was subtle. That was the only scene where I thought things got a little out of control. There, I'm like, okay, we got all these magazine type covers, people's in mirrors in their outfits, and I'm like, oh, that's fine, Mike. But like, if you're gonna do something as bold as that, maybe do more stuff like that. That's kind of like a one and done thing, and yeah. it doesn't fit with the rest of the picture. It didn't. That's what right? I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It made me think of Velocity of Gary, but the Velocity of Gary actually like maintained that kind of um, right. fantasy element. Yeah, surrealist. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the guy that he cleans for, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, so yeah. that kind Both of fit with guys. that part, too, I guess. Uh, it was, I was really shocked. It actually blew me away that. He was getting his dick sucked by a dude with, after that beginning that I kind of ripped on. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow, okay. So it's something the movie grabbed my attention because I was just thinking back 30 years this movie was made, and the fact that it got into this movie is impressive enough. It's difficult enough to get any type of BJ scenes in movies at all, let alone homosexual BJ scenes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, way to go. I, even if I don't like this movie, I love this movie. You know what I mean? And you, you have, have to respect to- it. You have to respect it, and you have to admire the fact that the film tripled its budget, and it opened wide. I mean, this this was a pretty modest hit, with, with especially with this content. Like, how do you even mark? How do you sell this movie like to a wide audience? I have. Like, an, I I'd have like an to idea. go back and see the trailer, please. I, I have an idea because I because I vaguely remember, um, and my answer here is you really push Keanu and River. And you really hide the fact that they're playing street hustlers and that there's homosexual elements here. Um, because I don't remember there being any LGBTQ anything like in the in the uh, in the publication of like I didn't even know that there was any of that in this movie until I sat down to watch it. Um mm. so for it being like a 30-year-old movie, and I didn't and I I mean I th- I mean I, I had vaguely heard that sometime. I take that back, I'd vaguely heard that somewhat recently. But other, but I, I didn't know that certainly like when I, you know, when I was a kid and the movie come out, but I mean, I, you know, again, I didn't see it. It wasn't exactly geared towards me. So maybe I'm not the, <laughs> the best person to answer that question. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, what else about this movie? Let's, uh, we talked about the performances, obviously Keanu. I ripped on Keanu earlier, so I want to give you credit, Keanu. You're outstanding in this film. You are a solid actor. Even if people rip on you for your voice and your dude, bruh. This is Keanu Reeves. Like, I talked about the fact that he didn't have that look in The Matrix, the latest Matrix. And in this movie, you can tell he's invested, involved because of his look and his dedication to the part. It's just something that you see on film that's obvious. So kudos to you, Keanu. Proud of you. 
Although <laughs> when we get into that middle section, that Shakespeare section, he, he is the least convincing to me. Um, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is some difficult dialogue for him to try. Man. Actually, I take that back. The him and Bob, the uh, pigeon Bob or whatever, both, both, of both of them are like, but it's, it's the language. It's not, it's not either one of their faults really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like, what, what are you supposed to do with this dialogue? You cannot present this. No one talks like this. It's, it's really hard to present it. Right. And he is checked out by the end of the movie, but he's supposed to be. So it works for him to be, um, you know, like single-minded towards the end. And he, Cause he's definitely checked out at the end of the movie, but like, yeah, that's, yes. that's what, that's what's happening. I don't know. Uh, like, uh, I loved him as Don John and Brana's Much Ado About Nothing. I think he does the Shakespeare stuff pretty well for me. And he did Mercutio on uh, an Ontario Mercutio. stage. Like, he's he's not he's not horrible in those. It's just again, it's like we're doing this now. What what, what are we doing here? What is this? Uh, we're doing this now. I, what about the narcolepsy? Uh, do you guys think? Okay. Was, okay, please. Is that is that is that a thing? Is like is oh, that yeah. how it works? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think it takes it's definitely a, a thing. First off, yeah, it's definitely a thing. I had to research it myself to be like, can you be standing and, and have a narcoleptic fit? And you can apparently. Um, as far as for how long you're out for, I don't think that narcoleptics are usually like unrousable and where they're going to be out for hours and hours. I don't think that's the way it works. But um, but he did base this on a friend of his that that, that part, uh, a narcoleptic friend of his. So I mean, he may. Have that's what I assumed. That. Parker had that. No, he did not, but a different guy did. Oh, because to me, when you do something like this in a film with a character, I just it just feels very much like a plot device. And Except that yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't really serve much of a function in the movie. I either. know. That, yeah. so it, why does he have it? it? So it does have him wake up in these really bizarre and confusing situations on a regular basis, which is disorienting, and I think it's supposed to like add to the, the, the character's general, like, lack of focus in life because he's regularly he's used to waking up like like lenny like waking up somewhere he has no <laughs> idea what, what's going on <laughs> lenny. Um, lenny. and then and then the, you know the very to, to, to jump to the end of the movie um you know he he puts himself in a danger quite a few times unintentionally because of his narcolepsy and by the end of the movie he it looks like he's being kidnapped by some stranger um so that's kind of an, you know if that's how you're going to end your movie with your protagonist being kidnapped i guess it's important that you explain how and why he's such an narcolepsy. easy target and yeah, the answer is narcolepsy great ben folds five song too by the way ah yeah. narcolepsy <laughs> is a great third eye blind song for the record that's a oh, great okay one. yeah all right uh so how keanu's character ends up in this movie at the end like i uh was impressed by that because he was telegraphing the fact that he was gonna you know there was a change coming for him and he mm -hmm. does change so uh I totally bought all that and the way they did it without being too obvious. Like he enjoyed this lifestyle. He, he lived it up, but he was going to shock everybody by the way he changed and he delivered on that. And I, I was, was down with that. You say uh, shock everybody. I say betray your best friend and completely leave him high and dry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob is definitely like uh, looking at his son as a potential payday that guy's a predator you know he's obviously just trying to suck up his funds but yeah uh mike doesn't care about the money mike you know really cares about him and loves him and just wants him in his life yeah. but it's better for mike not to have him in his life at this point because uh he you know he, he admits to the guy that he's in love with him 
and the, the guy falls in love with the next woman that he meets and then leaves him in a foreign country. <laughs> uh, you know, that ignores him. So that's, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty uh, brutal end to their, uh, to their friendship there. I know you mentioned earlier about homosexuals. Do they have to be drifters, vagabonds like this? And, and uh, I get that point completely, but I like this movie probably most for the fact that it really dives into class warfare. And I love class warfare films. And this movie is very, very much about that without trying to be, you know, like heavy handed in a way that Adam McKay does it sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's too obvious or too much. This is really subtle, smooth. It lets you know because you understand this world already. If you're a human being who's grown up, you know how shit works. So it just lets you dive into the situation. And I dug that part of this film very much. Yeah, that that Scott is choosing this when the rest of them are forced into these circumstances. Um, that that says something that reverberates through the film. Um, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely some some class stuff happening here. But it's it's so like it's not is that the point that it's trying to make or is that what you got out of it because well, of your ideology when when you when you cover this when you cover the entire proceedings with literally America the Beautiful yeah. playing over uh you know that's what nineteen year old kid yeah a nineteen year old kid they're trying to say something in my to best of my imagination here it's not that subtle. Yeah, there's there's definitely you're right. I mean, there's there's certainly um, like these are people that are left behind thing going happening here for sure. That, yeah, that scene with James Russo is you know the older brother slash father is by far I think the best scene in the film. It's it's fucking awesome. Yeah, that that was really really intense, and they take their time. To, like, the camera's just really tight on them, and he doesn't want he wants to resist, but he gives in, and that is the type of stuff. That Van Zant could do so so well, and for me, I needed that because at a certain point in the movie that it comes through there, I'm like, "What are we doing? What's happening?" Yeah. So yeah. I needed that, and it was a big pick me up. <laughs> I think the, the Van Zant big- human connection, the Van Zant touch, you got to have it. Uh, the big the big uh, uh, highlight of the movie for me was Udo Kerr dancing with a lamp. Uh, <laughs> oh man! I mean, obviously. I mean, remember when they talk about how like he's probably really fucking weird and a pervert? Yeah, like it was hard for me to laugh at that scene because I saw it as like, especially with his narcolepsy being brought on by stress, is Mike being really kind of scared of this guy and what's about to happen. And it is kind of a freaky scene for sure. I didn't find it that funny. I thought it kind of scary. You don't care dancing with the lamp? Yeah, I didn't find it scary. I did. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought it was yeah, it was a little bit goofy. I mean, yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of goofy. Yeah, but the reason um, I say it's it's class warfare stuff, it, it's not just about them. It's, I mean, his fucking shoes get taken off him. These people yeah. stop and take his. It's just a desperation in this world in this country that is always out there. Yeah. And this movie shows all angles of it. Whether you're a homosexual vagabond or a couple rednecks just driving along in your pickup truck. It's all or some, or some rock promoters that get robbed. Or, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, they got a. I, I've been in bands, Travis. We all three of us have been in bands, uh, you know, local bands so where we weird. had fun. There was never a big box of cash ever. Okay, no big big bag of cash. There was four dollars split between five people. That's yep. what there was. 
Flint local yeah, had five thousand dollars in that alley. Yep, yeah. get out there. It was <laughs> in a bar tab that you had to pay. That's what. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, you use it all up in the drink tickets, and it was gone. Yeah, so nice try. Uh, uh, that was probably the least believable Here's thing in this bizarre. entire film. So. But I did like their outfits. Oh, the wow. fact that they had these pink hooded kind Fuck. of. Monk like, outfits. I dug those. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna beat up your friends and rob them when you know that they're armed with guns? <laughs> seems unwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're cowards. They know that. I guess they think they know I guess that. They, I, I guess. Cool boy. Um, do yeah. these guys have passports? <laughs> <laughs> Scott yeah. baby. Scott baby. Yeah. Do, ca- do, do you casually <laughs> travel to Italy on whatever it, like they sold that motorcycle for? It's like, what is this? It had to have been like $6,000. Like, maybe send a postcard first. Hey, anyone see my mom before you travel to Italy? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, this is a uh, it's a gorgeous movie, of course, right? It's okay. a very lovely yeah. film at times when yeah. Gus... Just kind of opens up the lens and lets you see the beauty yeah. of the landscapes of the region. Gorgeous shots. So uh, good job there. And this beautiful production design, too. Like with all the homes and even apartments, everything kind of looks like a dollhouse, which kind of uh, brings back that kind of childhood motif of your world kind of being half artificial, half real, and you're not sure which is which. Hmm. What about the credits colors, though? The the. The like blue that. screen, the green screen—that uh, was different. I had not—I can't recall a movie that had that type of credits. Yeah, you splice in a, a, an image of of salmon swimming upstream, just in case you're unsure what kind there of movie you you're getting into. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, I again. was confused when I was watching. Okay, now I know what type oh, of movie okay, I'm yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. again, that's, thank you. That symbolism, like Mike walks around with this salmon-colored coat, and he is trying to return home. And you know what are salmon doing? A whole Capistrano thing. I mean, it's subtle, but it's there. Is it subtle? It's definitely there. I only said that it was subtle in this movie when I compared it to Adam McKay's work. So I want to make sure I was clear about that. It's just only in comparison to that specific type Uh of work. But otherwise, yes, it's not always as subtle. That's true. But that doesn't matter because in the end, this is a movie about all kinds of different shit. And like you said, it's an open palette that you can just throw colors on it and mix it together and kind of see what you come (laughs) out with. So So did did, did his mother actually shoot? Is, Is his mother a murderer? Okay, so no one knows. I because I, you, know. you guys you guys were going on about that scene, but that scene kind of left me confused because I was like, so did she stir the stir fry with the gun? Did she, you know, like <laughs> is is this guy his father or not his father? Oh, like, yeah, I think it is his father. That's why he feels so bad for him when he reads the postcard and it, he knows that that he probably knows that she is, you know, maybe gone or whatever, but he can't break it to. Him. I don't, I don't fucking know, or you know, who knows? All right. I was confused. You're right. I I just thought it was it would took us to another place is all. But I admit I still was unsure. I'm just making uh, sure I was not alone on that. No, you're not alone on what that at all. It, what's what were you about again? What, what's the point of this? Uh, to see how do many the carpet pissers did this. I'm in one movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, by the way, musically, you would think this movie was better musically, but it's got nothing going on musically really at all, does it? No, um, there is a Pogues song, I think, at the end, right? Yeah, I think that was Pogues. a Pogues. Yep. I didn't look it up, but it sounded like the Pogues. Um, that was it. No Surprising. B-52s. I mean, zero B-52s. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I, there, 
was a song I heard, I think, in the earlier part of the movie that was an acoustic song that sounded, oh, that sounds nice. I kind of dig this. Who is this? Well, but, some there was some Aleka's Attic, some of River Phoenix's own music he wanted to be put oh, in the film. Oh, so that's cool. Okay. Well, I mean, he's dead now, so that's cool. I, I appreciate right. that. Uh, yeah, in River Phoenix's career, uh, does this rank as, like, the top three performance? I don't know. I know that it had a tremendous impact on him personally, that he lived, you know, he did a lot of research on the character. Uh, the Heath Ledger uh, thing? Yeah, and there's, you know, some speculation. I mean, he died two years later, and a lot of, there's some speculation that this is what kind of tipped him into a darker path. Mm. Which yeah. is too bad. Hmm. Okay. I don't, uh, know if true. I don't know if that's true, but he top did die three performance though. Is it a top three performance? Like for me personally, or just, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I I like I love you to death. I like the thing called love. I mean, that's I love that movie. I love you to death, or a thing called love. I love you to death. So yeah. it never gets Underrated. talked about enough. That is that's a, where they became friends, him and Keanu, and that's why they did. Ah, uh, yes, yes, that makes sense. Treat Williams, good stuff. Uh yeah, I think. Uh, I think this has to be a top three, though, because even though Keanu brings a lot of light to this movie, River Phoenix is doing his part so well. It, to me, it's as authentic as hell. Like, I've never yeah. a false note in any of his performances in this movie. So uh, whether it's not a top three performance, I guess that doesn't matter. What does matter is that uh, even though he's long since passed, he really gave himself to this role entirely. And in fact, the movie would probably be worse without him. Yeah, I think, and, and I think in one other really particular way and that he actually helped write one of the scenes um there the the scene where he admits his love for scott and they're by the fireside that was that was all river that was that was him saying that 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 scene needs to be put in there um uh van sant actually wanted their 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 gayness to be kind of not so obvious or or like you know kind of like are because they're, they're sort of scott's kind of just doing it like to get by and some of the other guys are doing it to get by yeah. Uh, but Mike is actually like, you know, clearly he's gay because he, he's in love with with Scott. And it was his idea to, to put that in there because he's like, otherwise, like, what are we doing this for? Like, what are the stakes? Like, what are we, you know, like, and, and I think and, and, and also I think that it's in, like, I like that the movie puts it out there that, yes, that there is at least one of these characters that is gay on purpose. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. nice to know. Yeah. Gay on purpose. Yes. Hey, fucking a right. Uh, all right. Anything else before we uh, shut this one down, folks? Um, if you picked up a dude and brought him back to your house, uh, like a street person you didn't know, and you were rich, yeah. would you leave him yeah. there while you went and got another dude, drop that guy off, and then leave him those two guys there where you go and get a third dude and bring to your house so that you I could have sex? All three I think of them. so. I actually think I would just because I was already picking up street dudes. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen as good as it gets. So my assumption is that they're going to rob me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's. Uh, oh yeah, maybe you would. Yeah. So I don't, I'm I don't, glad you brought that up. I'm not going to do that. Just for the record, I'm not going to do that. Any 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 street hustlers that were planning on robbing my you know rented house. Sorry. <laughs> I grew up in hell. All right. Uh, yeah, that's good what? stuff. Okay. Um, well done. Eric Bresham, you chose this movie. Why don't you lead it off for us, man? Take us to the streets. Wow. Take it man. into the streets. <laughs> so for over 30 years, the great Gus Van Zandt has been bringing us these, just these lyrical stories about, you know, homogenous people that you don't get to see in, in films all the time. Uh, and do I like this as much as Drugstore Cowboy? No, I fucking love Drugstore Cowboy. It's amazing. Um, the th 
Yes. <sighs> you were it's saying? like it's like slovenly pessimistic. I mean, it's like it's a downer, man. Like, uh, and 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 I think it just could have used a, just a. I don't know who am I to say this is like a, a Van Zant's like own personal thing, but that's kind of the detriment. Like it's so personal and it's like so arty, mm. and like you say, Travis, it's so like theater mm. that it's hard to emotionally connect with. Mm. Um, it's the type of movie that like if it came out nowadays, I'd kind of expect it to exist, but since it's from 1991, like I can appreciate it more. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, I, I'll say that it holds up. The performances are are good, mm-hmm. and it's wholly original, and it's just something that came at this weird time where it was able to get the money and these huge stars, and it's still being talked about today for sure. So, yeah, I, I, I applaud it. All right. Very nice. All right. Classy. Uh, Travis, why don't you go? Well, I'll, I'll reiterate what I said at the start of this episode, which is that this is an important movie, not just for the fact that it's, you know, got a gay director writing a gay story, but this is like people needed to see this kind of movie in 1991, I think. So I, I think I'm, I'm grateful for the, its existence. I'm a little concerned about the impact it may have had on a, on a really talented artist's life uh, and that he may have internalized some of this and um, it may have led to some 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 bad things for him. But you can't blame the film, and I don't. <laughs> um, that all said, let me read a couple notes here that I made while watching the movie. One of those notes is, no one fucking talks like this. Um, another note is, I don't care who's in this, it sucks. I hated this movie. <laughs> I hated it. I really just hated it. I felt like... Um, now, again, I, I did appreciate the performances. Oh Well-performed, well particularly by River, but I fucking hated this movie. It's just oh my gosh. so much work. Uh, so much work. <laughs> Just, uh, I mean, just like it, it's so, it's extremely pretentious in a lot of ways. Uh, and I apologize. I know people listening might really love this movie, and you know, yeah. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, that the movie is without value. And it's not like I'm, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and come up with any, as many synonyms for terrible that I can come up with. I'm just going to say that, like, I did not enjoy this movie at all. I found it to be tedious, um, random, like, like not cohesive it was like all over the fucking place um and just dull and kind of annoying and i didn't and i didn't like it so i'm gonna say it doesn't hold up i respect it i respect the hell out of it but i'm never gonna watch it again i respect you for that declaration uh (laughs) i think a lot of people would be kind of for lack of a better word, like afraid to to dog this film because of the subject matter and the reverence that it's had for 30 years. But I won't deny it. I was bored for a lot of it, but got outweighed. Reverence? Is that how you say it? Is it reverence? Reverence. Reservoir? It's a new one. (laughs) It's reverence. Follow Travis at Reservoir. (laughs) Reservoir. Well, speaking of reverence, uh, actually, that's not a transition at all. Mm. White. Uh, the movie movie's boring. <laughs> uh, we're getting sometimes a movie, yeah. Sometimes a movie is very important, and we've already covered this. Yeah. And you know, I mean, this show we're always going to be we're very pro gay rights and making yeah. sure that equality and equity for everybody of all kinds get to, everybody gets to have their day. Everyone deserves it, and we should all be fighting for that every day. However. It, 
it's just a tough watch. There's some funny parts. Like I said, I really enjoyed when they're in the flop house, living it up, just being goofballs, even though they're not talking like people talk. And that's okay. But in the end, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's a movie for that's not for me. But that doesn't mean it doesn't hold up. So I'm going to say that it does hold up, even though I'm not a big fan of it. That's how I'm going with this one. You're, and sometimes shifting standards of Mike. I, sometimes I've used this before, and oh this God. is another one of those examples where <laughs> you know it's not exactly for me, but it is a well done movie, and it's important, and it still has value. If you like that type of shit, you'll love it. I don't personally love it. What is that type of shit? That's the real question here. Because um, if you're just saying that it's it's a gay positive movie from the '90s, we we no. all agree that that's great. No, but if, if you like, like what, if you like what kind of shit. If you like a road adventure, if you like people on the go, if you like the vagabond experience, the bohemian lifestyle, and just seeing Mm. people kind of meander through that lifestyle, you'll love this movie for sure. That's what I mean, I think. All right. Yeah. I'll accept that. Thank you. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, That's another example of what we do here. Does it hold up or not? Cinema Night Podcast. Woohoo! We did it, guys. First episode of the new year. Yeah. And one that none of us had seen before. I still think that's weird. But uh, that will this one this will truly probably be a one-off. It'll be hard to replicate this accidentally. So yeah, yeah. Um all right. So thank you again. Cinema Night Pilot ProtonMail.com. And of course, follow us everywhere. Five stars and Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Thank you for your reviews. Anybody who did that over the holidays, thank, thank you. you so much for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Spotify five stars. You can do that now. Spotify five stars. And then uh, I have to choose a movie for next week, right? You do. What, yeah. What's it going to be, big guy? Yeah, I'll fire up the old list here. Oh, and, the old list. No spoilers. Yeah, no okay. one cares. I'm not that important. No one cares. So I've been, I've been between three movies that I've really like, oh, man, I'd really like to do that one. Uh, one of them, I'm not sure is a good idea to do it, but I'd be curious to see what people think of it. Uh, it's a tough spot to be in. So I think what I'm going to do here is go with this movie. So it's a movie from 2006 okay. and stars Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that I liked. I really enjoyed back in the day. It's been a minute since I've watched it. And Travis will probably love this because it also stars Nicolas Cage. Yes, I didn't mean to do this on purpose. Uh, let's go wow. back to 2006 and do Lord of War. Lord of War. All right. I actually just watched this for the first time maybe a year ago. So. Oh, okay. Well, there it is. I'm, All right. Lord, Lord I of War. I, I used to love it when it came out and I had Blockbuster online. I got it. And I remember like, oh, wow. <laughs> Where's this movie come from? It's amazing. But it's been 15 plus years now. So uh, we'll see if it holds up or not. This is the first Nick Cage brought to the movie, uh, brought to the Cinema Nine podcast that was not by me or Derek from the Nick Cage podcast when he was a guest. Ah! So it's nice that one of you two guys has brought in a Nick Cage movie. That's exciting to me. Woohoo! Yes, that's a good show, by the way. The uh, Nick Cage podcast. What's it called? Uh, Cage, Cage of Fear. Cage Rage. Cage Rage. Check it out. Age rage, great show. Daryl is his name, by the way. So Daryl's good that's guy. Derek, I'm sorry. Derek. I, that's all right. Derek Myers is on the show recently. Yeah, so hey. So there it is. Next week, Lord of War. Check it out. And until then, that'll do it for this episode. Happy New Year, everybody. Let's have a great 2022. Woo. Bye-bye. No quotes from this one. No quotes.